0: This Word on Fire Minute is brought to you by Advantage Futures. As Catholics, we must take advantage of new technology to spread the faith. WordOnFire.org is on the front lines, featuring the work of one of the Church's best messengers, Father Robert Barron. At WordOnFire.org, you'll find inspirational podcasts, videos, audio sermons, books, DVDs, and The Catholicism Project. It is one of the most ambitious efforts ever to promote the Catholic faith to the world. Catholicism is Father Barron's global documentary series, filmed in high definition and now in production for TV and DVD. Father Barron's series will illustrate the beauty and depth of the church and explain the Catholic faith on our own terms. It will be an exciting new way for families, parishes, and schools to teach Catholicism. Preview the production, join our email list, and contribute to the Catholicism Project at wordonfire.org. Become part of the story today.
1: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on
2: Fire. Peace be with you. Well, friends, we come now to the first weekend of Lent, this holy season of Lent, a time of spiritual discipline. And how wonderful that we begin with the story of Noah and the Ark, The church gives us this reading as our first reading. It sets the tone now for the whole season of Lent. This great saga of Noah and the Ark is so much more than a sort of charming children's story. For many ways, it expresses the whole drama of salvation. Ancient peoples, I've mentioned this to you before, I know, but ancient peoples were frightened of the water. They went only reluctantly on long sea voyages. And again, keep in mind in these old, you know, leaky boats and, and these rickety ships, of course the water was frightening. So the stormy, chaotic sea came to symbolize for them all that was opposed to life and to full human flourishing. That's why at the very beginning of the book of Genesis we hear that God's spirit hovered over the Tohu bohu, Hebrew for the stormy, unformed chaos. God's spirit, God's creative spirit hovers over that chaotic mess and brings forth from it life and order. Karl Barth, the great Protestant theologian, referred to das Nishtige, his German for the nothing, the non-being, all that's opposed to God's creative intentions. So, if we read this story now symbolically, at the time of Noah, the stormy waters are back. Don't read the flood here so much as God's arbitrary punishment. Rather, it symbolizes the consequences of sin. Sin is opposed to God's intentions, and sin destroys. Sin separates. Sin divides God's great creation. It undermines what God wants. See, here's the great good news. Even when sin is at its most powerful, God's grace is greater. God sends, as it were, a rescue operation in the form of Noah's Ark. Onto this ark is gathered a microcosm of God's good creation, a remnant of the original creation. And during the stormy time, life, order, harmony are preserved. Then, when the storm dies down, when the waters recede, Noah lets out the life and thereby becomes a second Adam. Noah presides over the renewal of the earth. The purpose of this divine rescue operation was precisely that to renew the face of the earth. God's not arbitrarily uh, punishing, God is cleansing and purifying by preserving a microcosm of his good order. This is why the Bible speaks in relation to Noah of a covenant covenant. God makes a bond, something like a marriage bond between himself and this remnant of his people. They will be a people after his own heart and thus the source of the renewal of the whole world. This Noah covenant becomes the prototype of all the covenants that God will later make the covenant with Abraham, with Moses, with David, shaping and forming a people after his own heart, a people whose task it will be, listen, to witness to his good order in the midst of a stormy and fallen world. This is why, for example, St. Augustine reads Noah's Ark as a symbol of the city of God the city of God, down through the ages, embodied in the great saints. Often, like Noah's ark bobbing on the surface of the water, the city of God just barely holds its own in the midst of the flood. But in fact, in fact, this little tiny vessel is the carrier of God's promise, the guarantee of God's purpose. Don't look Augustine said, How important this message is for all times. Don't look at what the world holds out as important. What is great in the eyes of a fallen world is often very small indeed in God's eyes. Look rather for those little places, those out of the way places where God's life is on display. Those, Christians, are the keys to history. Again, it's a very important point, I think. What's going on in the world? What's happening? Well, we look to the presidents and prime ministers, and we look to Wall Street bankers. We look to captains of industry. We look to the obvious movers and shakers. But see, very often, they're nothing in the eyes of God. They're not the bearers of God's purpose. Very often, it's a small, simple, humble person or institution or set of events. That's how we read history. Look for the Noah's arks. Now, against this background, provided by the first reading, we can much better understand Jesus. Jesus was seen by the first Christians as the new and definitive Noah, and his mystical body, the church, as the new and definitive ark. Remember at the Last Supper, Jesus spoke of the new and everlasting covenant in his blood. He's hearkening right back to the covenant that God made with Noah. Jesus is saying, what began with Noah reaches its fulfillment in me. This marriage between divinity and humanity reaches its full point in me, who am, in person, the marriage of divinity and humanity. Jesus is the true Israel, the captain of the ship, the embodiment of God's creative intentions toward the world. He is therefore the captain of this boat onto which we are all invited. I spoke last week about Paul and Paul's message that Christ is God's great yes to the world. We might express it this way now. The message of the first Christians was, get on board. The ark and the captain have appeared. Now get on board the ship. Our gospel is from Mark's gospel. We hear his very laconic account of Jesus' temptation in the desert. We don't have all the details you get in, in Matthew and Luke. Mark gestures, though, very simply to something. He says, the animals ministered to Jesus, or rather the the angels ministered to Jesus in the desert, and he was with the animals. You see what that is? It's a kind of hearkening back to Noah. Noah on the ark with all the animals is a symbol of the rightly ordered creation. Jesus now come among us is the one who's going to knit creation back together. There he is with the angels and with the animals. The whole purpose of the church, his mystical body, is to be an agent for the transfiguration of the world. Now we can see more clearly why we were given this reading at the beginning of Lent. As the season of grace commences, we are meant to become more aware of our sins. Of all the ways that the Tohu bohu has invaded our lives— See, we're meant to notice the flood that is all around us and the flood to which we have contributed. Don't blind yourself to it. That's, that's no way forward. I mean, those who said in Noah's time, oh, it's no big deal, just a, a few days of rain, well, they're the ones who were destroyed. No, no, to be aware of the flood, of the danger that sin causes is a key element. And that's why, listen now, that's why Lent is a great time for introspection, for contrition, and for confession. It's a good time to pause, look deeply at our lives, look inside, honestly, do a searching moral inventory. Realize the way the floodwaters have invaded you. It's time to renew your commitment to the covenant, to abide by the demands of God so as to become renewed. How do you do it concretely? Well, I recommend three great duties of Lent. Prayer, fasting, the giving of alms. Pray. 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 Renew your covenant agreement. That's what prayer is. Prayer is communion with God. Often we'll say, well, sure, I mean, God's the center of my life. God's my everything. God's my all. Really? Really? Show it. Prove it. Embody it. To be a person of the covenant is to be a person of prayer. To pray, it means for us Catholics, above all, go to Mass. If you're not going every week, get to it. If you're going every Sunday, resolve during Lent to go every day. If you've been away from the Rosary, get back to it during Lent. You never spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament? Start. Prayer is a way of confirming the Covenant Living out the covenant. Second duty of Lent, fasting. Fasting has to do with detachment from the things of the world, all those convenient substitutes for God. You're too involved with pleasure, money, power, honor. Fast from them. See, fasting, friends, is a great way to get in touch with our own sinfulness, it's a way to get in touch with the flood waters. And then detach yourself from them. Stop turning them into gods by fasting from them. Finally, almsgiving is the great practice of Lent. It has to do with solidarity. God's covenant is ultimately with the whole world. And therefore, salvation takes place always in a communal setting. Give to those who are poor. Give your time to those who are lonely. Give your attention to those who are isolated. Give your forgiveness to those from whom you are estranged. All forms of almsgiving, of building up the community. See, friends, in all these ways, we become aware of the flood, yeah? And, and we learn again how to get on the boat. Get on the boat of the church enter into the practices and dynamisms of the church and you'll find yourself in that place of safety in the midst of the storm let Noah's Ark stay in your imagination as a vivid Lenten image and God bless you
1: I hope you were moved today by the word on fire I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love.